welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. Each week, we interview the best and brightest in physical therapy, wellness, and entrepreneurship. We give you cutting-edge information you need to live your best life, healthy, wealthy, and smart. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here's your host, Dr. Karen Litzee. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast, and I want to thank our new sponsor for 2018. Today's podcast is brought to you by Redoc, powered by XFIT. I'm so excited to have them on board this year. And what do they do? They are a cloud-based, fully integrated EMR and billing solution. So they help you expand your visit capacity, get paid for your services, ramp up patient engagement, and eliminate worries about documentation and compliance. To learn more about Redoc and complete revenue cycle management services, check them out at nethealth.com slash healthy. So thank you for being part of the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart family. On today's episode, I have another kick-ass female entrepreneur, and she is a fellow physical therapist. Issa Herrera is a licensed physical therapist and expert in integrative pelvic floor therapies in the field of women's health. She has also been an adjunct professor at Hunter College in New York, teaching pelvic floor techniques to third-year doctoral physical therapy students. She developed her expertise in diagnosing and treating pelvic pain and pelvic floor dysfunction by helping over 14,000 women since 2005 at her New York-based healing center, Renew Physical Therapy. Most recently, Issa has used her vast clinical experience and expertise and incorporated into her new online school, pelvicpainrelief.com, an online educational portal whose mission is to create global language for patients and professionals seeking accurate, integrative information relating to all things pelvic health. She is also the author of five books on the topic of pelvic dysfunction and pelvic pain, and her newly released book, Female Pelvic Alchemy, is an international bestseller in four women's health categories. After suffering from pelvic floor dysfunction herself, after the birth of her daughter, Issa has made it her life's mission to help women overcome pelvic floor dysfunction and also to educate professionals on the right mix of evidence-based and integrative techniques to help patients achieve lifelong health and wellness. So Issa is amazing. Her energy is fabulous. You're going to learn so much in this episode. We discuss society's demanding expectations on women, developing trust and compassion, all about the patient experience, with your patients to discuss pelvic pain, sexual health, and incontinence, the importance of collaboration with your patient's broader healthcare team, and her female pelvic alchemy program. She also has a free gift for everyone. So you can go to podcast.healthywealthysmart.com, go to the show notes, and you'll see free gift, the pelvic starter kit from Isa. So I want to thank Isa so much for coming on the podcast today and sharing her wealth of knowledge on pelvic pain. So enjoy everyone. Hi, Isa. Welcome to the podcast. I am happy and honored to have you join me today. I am so excited. I have been a fan of yours for so long, and this has been on my list for so long oh, to do your podcast. So I am extremely honored myself to be here. Thank you so much. That's awesome. What Thank took so, so long? Jeez Louise. <clears throat> you know, every, every, timing Life. is everything. Yeah. <laughs> Life. Life started and life keeps going. Like we said in the bio when I introduced you, that you work a lot with female clients and mm-hmm. pelvic health. What do you think the state of, let's say, female health, female self-healing, where are we today? Because I'm sure it's much different today than it was when you first started. 
Oh, it's very different. It's very different. When I first started <clears throat> in those days, no one actually even knew what female healing was all about. Um, and if you talk about the pelvic floor, people will look at you like you have like six eyes. And I think after um, the whole thing with the Me Too coming out, I honestly believe that right now is the time that women are in a place where they are owning their power, where they want to be healthier, where they want to be uh, more vibrant, where they want to be completely and fully healed. And sometimes, you know, this one part, we don't pay attention to it because of the taboos. So I think right now the time is ripe for women to seize the moment and to become the heroines of their own story. You know, the, the time is now. I used to think for a long time, like, when is it going to change? When is it going to change? When is my work going to get easier? Because it's hard to be the person who brings the message out there. You know, a lot of people don't, you know, they're like, oh, it's all this. I'm like, no, it's difficult, you know, if you put yourself out there. So I think I'm very hopeful. And I think it is changing. And I am um, sort of like the support for these women. If they want that kind of support, then I'm the person that will be there for them. And they'll be there for me. So it's a win-win it's a relationship. And I, I love working with this population. And you had mentioned that a lot of these topics in, in female health, pelvic health specifically, have been taboo topics. So mm -hmm. can you give some examples of maybe a couple of those taboo topics and what is the work being done to bring it out of that taboo state? Well, I think what happens many times is that when people think about physical therapy, they think about it more in the traditional sense. You know, they think about, you know, uh, the elbow hurts or the neck hurts or the back hurts. What, what's happening now, what I think, is that um, society, you know, I feel like, you know, plays a mind game on women, thinking that we have to be perfect, that we have to be um, just super at everything. We can have it all, you know, cook up the bacon. Remember that old commercial I'm from dating myself? Fry it up in a pan and never, never let him forget he's the man, you know? And I'm like, that is nonsense. That is complete nonsense. So for me, one of the things that I believe in is that, you know, women don't talk about this one because there's a lot of shame around it, you know, and, and they're shameful. And listen, even in my own group, when I, I run uh, a secret society, I guess, you know, all my students, a lot of them will not participate in the classroom. I do these live classrooms because a lot of them are ashamed or they are um, regret that they might have done something or done a surgery that they shouldn't have done or taken a medication that they shouldn't have done or feel really isolated and alone and this is not the case anymore i think women are more um opening up to what's real and what is needed and they're asking for help and i think the first thing starts with asking for help and knowing that no life is not perfect we're not perfect every day is a continuum, you know, trying to reach where it is that we're trying to go to. And for some of those topics that maybe women don't want to talk about or they're ashamed of, I'm assuming they can range from pelvic pain to incontinence issues um, to, you know, pain with sex. I mean, these are things that maybe you don't want to bring out. So what do you do to help facilitate women to speak about these issues? 
Well, I think the first thing that um, any practitioner has to do is that there has to be a level of trust and compassion. And I think without that, um, no one is going to open up to you. And so, you know, in PT, we're used to doing evaluations, right? And we ask, and the questions that I ask are so damn personal. People are like, what? <laughs> like, what, what's an example of a really oh, I, oh, I, I want to do a thing where if, if they tell me that they have painless sex, I say, well, is it with initial penetration, deep penetration? Is it right? Is it left? What position do you have sex in? Do you come? You know, all these things, you know, these are not questions that are typical in an in a IE for regular PT. So for me, it's kind of like, you know, and I used to tell when I had, you know, my big practice, I just pivoted my big practice uh, on Madison Avenue. I would tell my PTs that they may not open up to you the first time, but you have one time, you have under 15 seconds to make that impression, to make sure that they trust you enough to open up to you, maybe not at that session, but in future sessions. And I think that sometimes that's missing in PT because we feel like, we're going to ask these questions and they're going to give us the truth the first time. But then we forget that we're dealing with a human, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and those topics are certainly tough topics to tackle. And as the therapist, I think you have to be confident in yourself and asking those questions, because if you have any trepidation, I think the person on the other end is going to pick up on that. Right? So oh, as, yeah. what advice do you have for PTs? Well, this is my advice, and this is the advice when I do my training and my mentorship program, um, what I discuss with PTs and, and how I feel um, uh, in evaluation. I have a very specific way of an evaluation. I feel it should be done. Uh, first of all, I think that eye contact is very important. We minimize that. I think that if we don't know something and we're not comfortable with it, we should own it. And we should say, you know what, let me find this out for you. I'll, I'll get back to you. And there's nothing wrong with that. Because PTs are, you know, we're taught to, to, like, we're the ones, we know everything, we're going to go solve your problem. But I don't believe in that. I believe the patient solves their problems, and we're just, we're the guide and the coach. So that's one of the things. I don't, I don't feel that people should be looking at their um, intake papers when they're doing their evaluation. I think it takes away from the humanness of it. So anything that they can do to create a real positive human connection in that first evaluation, I think it's more important than getting objective measures, you know, but we get so wrapped up in that that sometimes we forget that. So I think that my advice would be to any PT is just to, to create that connection right away and to get them, you know, to, they have to trust you. They have to believe in your work. And if, if you're not comfortable doing it, then you need to get the skill set. Yeah. And, and that skill set can happen by practicing with friends, by practicing totally. with family. Like it doesn't, and, and obviously being aware, having some self-awareness of when you are with your patients, how are you sitting? How are you mm -hmm. asking your questions? Or do you seem, you know, have some trepidation behind it? But I think the more you interview people, the better you will be. So I always give the advice to start talking to your friends, your family, sit, listen, and also totally. learn to ask a question and then shut up. Oh, 100%. I think sometimes when you're starting out, you know, you want to, you want to prove to everyone that you're the one, that you're the smart one, that you just got the DPT, whatever it is, you know, I mean, I had these students at Hunter College, I taught that for three years, you know, so I see it, I saw it every day. 
So for me, it's kind of like we have to learn to be active listeners because the goal is in what your patient is telling you. Your program will revolve around what they're telling you. What goals you set is on what they're telling you. But if you're so busy writing, you're so busy trying to have the answer for the patient, you miss it. You miss it. And you, you have to go deeper, you know? So we call it the pratica in Spanish. What do you call it? The pratica. Okay. Yeah, it's like the practice. It's like the, it's like the very intimate connection that you have. And in Latin cultures, when you go to your MD, we go to healers, right? I mean, I grew up going to healers. I didn't go to doctors when I was a child. So it was a very different experience. And these people had a way of talking to you, a way of just like finding out all the nuances. And then from there, they would develop a program for you. Yeah. Well, the thing is that, you know, physical therapists, you know, in general, we can go on for top hours here, but I'm just going to throw this out there. You know, we, we don't sell appointment slots. We don't sell sessions. And one of the things that I do in my mentorship program when I'm working with the PT is that we are in the business of transformation. We are in the business of getting somewhere where they want to be, what they want to achieve in their lives. We're not there just to say, hey, you just gained 10 degrees in your shoulder. Who the hell cares if they can't pick up their kid? Mm-hmm. Who the hell cares if, if, if her pelvic muscles got stronger, but she's still leaking on herself and she can't have orgasms, you know, or their sexual dysfunction. No, people want the transformation. And once we turn that around as an industry, then I think that the industry will survive. I agree. And so it's more like we're selling like you said, transformation, we're selling hope, we're selling mm-hmm. a better life and eventually and hopeful better lifestyle versus selling a package of 10 sessions. Yeah. I don't believe in that. I don't believe I in don't, that either. I don't believe in that. My, my thing is when I was working with my PTs and I had a huge practice, very lucrative, seven-figure practice on Madison Avenue, um, my thing was get them better as soon as possible and make them own it. And if they don't own it, they're never going to respect you. They're just not. They're going to say the PT didn't work. How many times do I hear that? Oh, my gosh. So many times, right? I went this PT, that PT, this PT, that didn't work, this didn't work, this was a factory, this was a mill, blah, blah, yeah. blah. I hear it all the time. Yeah, and I, t- I used to make my patients, and I still do. They sign a contract. And if you sign that contract and you don't own it, I discharge you, man. I'm like, we're done. And they're like, and I charge a lot of money for my sessions, Okay. So people definitely want to get better quicker. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, I have to say, I'm not a huge fan of the selling packages either. No. Because, because the, the, the question becomes, so if you're saying to someone, I can sell you a package of 10. If you pay me up front now, you'll get a little discount on a package of 10, which I never discount my services. But um, does that then, I feel like in the patient's mind, they're thinking, well, okay, so then I'm definitely going to need to come for like at least five months or six months or seven months versus what, what if they're better in, what if they're better, they're back to normal, they're doing what they love to do in three or four sessions. Then, I mean, I get checking in every couple of months, but I don't get selling a package for that. I don't get it either. And I don't get this whole thing two times a week, three times a week. So no. my, my, my patients come to me, but my, my doctor wrote this on the script. I'm like, I don't care what your doctor wrote on the script. It's not what you need. And then I'll get on the, on the phone with the doctor and say, hey, listen, um, you know, I'm not seeing your patient. First of all, I don't like to see anybody more than one time a week. They need to integrate. 
you know. But that's just my philosophy. And maybe sometimes I'll see you once a month because I, I believe that you have to give them what they need and then they have to become the captains of their own ship. And you have to empower them. And if you sell a package like for 10, it makes the patient think they, can, they, they have time to get better and it makes the PT feel like, well, you know, we'll cover that at the next session. To me, I treat every session like it's my last, you know? Yeah. That's the yeah. kind of level of, of, that's what I give, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I could see there are obviously exceptions to this. You know, if someone's post-surgical. Oh, that's obviously, different, yeah. that's different. You know, yeah. obviously, you're going to be seeing if someone just had an ACL reconstruction or a, a rotator cuff or mm-hmm. something like rotator cuff repair. You're obviously going to see that person multiple times a week um, in the beginning, you know, because yeah. that's what the protocols calls for and best evidence. But best evidence doesn't necessarily mean seeing someone three times a week for six weeks and then they're done. No, it doesn't. That's what we've been taught. That's what we've been brainwashed to think. But I think that there's an awakening coming uh, among all health professionals. But I would like to see more an awakening with physical therapists in general. Yeah. Um, to know that you're not alone. So many of us feel alone, you know. And I think that PT school, you know, they just, you're alone, man. You got to get your grades. You got to pass. Mm-hmm. They're not taught to collaborate. They're not taught to be team players. You know, I always had difficulty that with my staff with that. They all want autonomy but they haven't earned it, you know? I do. I say you earn autonomy, you don't get autonomy. You know what I mean? And so for me, it's kind of like when I decided to create my messaging to go more global, part of what I wanted to do was help more women heal by helping more PTs provide that service for them. It's like a win-win for everybody, you know? Yeah, so. absolutely. And you had mentioned collaborations, and I, I'm a big fan of collaborating. I collaborate with physicians and trainers and um, yoga instructors and Pilates instructors, and it usually turns out to be a win-win for everyone concerned, but most importantly for the patient at the center of that, the wheel, if you will. So where do you think um, the physical therapy career stands, or the physical therapy profession is when it comes to collaboration, when it comes to bringing in, you know, different practitioners to help our patients? I think that it's a necessary thing to collaborate. I think it's, um, you, you can't fix it alone. Some of these patients have multifactorial issues that really need to be addressed. And that's a whole other, you know, topic that we can go into. So I think that the PT has to know that there is enough to go around, that we have to get out of this scarcity mindset, you know, that there's not enough. But to me, it's kind of like, they'll see me and then they'll see another PT for their back. And I'm like, that's cool. <laughs> I'll have to address that. Come and see me for this and then see your PT for your back. And I'm like, but let's collaborate. Let's talk about it. Let's put the patient's best interest at heart. Or they'll see me, like I see people who see Reiki practitioners, they're seeing the energy healer, you know, I'm like, okay. They're seeing the osteopath, naturopath, they have a psychologist. I got like freaking 10 people I'm talking to, you know? And I'm like, that's okay. But when I say something and if I feel like it's valuable, then, you know, sometimes I'm like, no, I have to, this is, this is my domain. And when it comes to this topic, um, I like to collaborate, but at the same time, when I say something has to go, you know, something has to be, it has to be, you know, depends on your level of expertise. 
Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like it's good to collaborate, but you need to collaborate and stand your ground onto what is your sort of zone of genius, if you will, however you want to call it. Um, Because I think a lot of times people think collaboration means you're giving up, you're seceding your power to someone else. Mm. And that's not the case at all. Not at all. I mean, I'm very, very like, you know, you're saying you're zone of genius and then you have to make sure that when you're having a conversation with someone that you're working with, that it makes sense what you've chosen. And then you have an educated conversation. So no, I don't want my patient to be doing this. And that's the hardest conversation to speak to another practitioner and say, I'm sorry, but at this point, this is what I would like for it to be done. This is why. Okay. Right. So make sure you don't just say, don't do it, but follow up with the why behind it. And if there's any, of course, evidence behind why you want the patient to do or not to do X, Y, Z. Totally. There's always has to be evidence, you know, but then there also has to be a little bit of magic too. You know, I believe in the combination of both um, and intuitive listening, you know, and, you know, evidence base is in crises right now. I mean, we can go on and on about that. Well, right? we're not even allowed to use the word evidence-based anymore. Can you imagine? The CDC, the new CDC guidelines. I know. I read that and I was like, hmm, what are we going to do now? Yeah. Right? Well, and, and I think this is it's a really interesting crossroads for the medical and scientific community um, because I think now is the time, like we just said, to kind of stand in, in your place and say, no, this is... I'm going to use these terms. I'm going to use diversity. I'm going to use evidence-based and science-based because this is what we're, this is a foundation for us. Absolutely. There has to be a solid foundation. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, we can go on forever about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But on that note, we are going to take a quick 30 second break to hear from our sponsor, NetHealth. PTs, what do you hope to accomplish in 2018? I bet providing even better patient care and increasing revenue are top on the list. First, expand your visit capacity. Then get paid for your services, ramp up patient engagement, and eliminate worries about documentation and compliance. The good news is there's one solution that brings it all to the table. Redoc, powered by XFIT, is a cloud-based, fully integrated EMR and billing solution. Imagine PT billing, coding, compliance experts taking the back office work off your hands and reporting to you. Learn more about Redoc and complete revenue cycle management services at nethealth.com slash healthy. Uh, I think, I do think it's important to collaborate. A lot of times you see uh, physical therapists, and I see this a lot in, in newer physical therapists, if they're wanting to start their own practice, that they, no one seems to want to collaborate with physicians anymore. Oh, I'll collaborate with them. I love telling them what to yeah. do. <laughs> That's my favorite part of the day. Physical therapists need physicians. And, and physicians and need physical therapists. Absolutely. And, and, and guess what? The physicians are owning the physical therapists. Okay? And that's one of the things that makes me absolutely crazy. But we're gonna, that's a whole other topic that we can go on for like eight hours on. But my thing about physician care is kind of like, in the beginning, I did that. I bought lunches for doctors, I groveled, I begged, you know? And then after that, I was like, you know what? No, this is, I'm not on the same playing field as them. I have something to offer that's equally as valuable, equally as important. And when you go there and you act like you're less than to the doctor, that's not gonna work. They're not gonna send you patients. They send you patients because the patients say that you do great work. So it all goes back to, the work that you do and 
who do you want to align yourself? Listen, I, I think I probably know every damn doctor in New York City. Do I align myself with every one of them? No. I align with myself and I send to doctors that resonate with the same messaging that I resonate, which is natural holistic care, right? That's an integrative care. If you're not like that, then I'm not going to see a patient here. So you're not going to send to me. I'm not right. going to be Right, right. And, and there are, just like you said before, you know, when you're living in an abundance mindset versus that scarcity mindset, there's enough to go around. There's more than enough. The problem more than is, enough. There's so much. The yeah, and there's so much that the thing is, we don't know how to tap into it. And because we're not taught, you know, in school, we're not business savvy people, we don't know how to tap into that level of abundance. So how do and, you do that? How do we tap into it? Oh, okay. Let me tell you how you tap into it. It's first of all, you have to decide like where's your zone of genius, right? And then for me, I tap into it into the online, right? I wanted to create a global language. I decided to pivot my big practice and go more online because I wanted to do more of the global teaching. But if you're just starting out, you have to go out there and you have to meet people. You can't be in your office doing paperwork 24-7. You mean they're not going to knock on your door? <laughs> no? No. And the thing is, in the beginning, you know, I hustled, man. I was just meeting everybody. I was doing free workshops. I was, like, talking to anybody who would talk to me. And I did it not because I expected something in return. I mean, of course I did. But I really did it because I was so passionate about what I love to do. And I think that if you really resonate with your passionate side, what makes you go on fire, this will work and you will find your tribe. But if you're going out there with the mindset, well, I just want to make money because I just paid $100,000 for my DPT at Columbia, then you're going to get what you're going to get. You know what I mean? And then you're going to sell yourself to the devil. for, And then you're going to be doing 14, 20 patients a day and by the time you're 30, you'll be burnt. Mm -hmm. You won't even know your own name, which is what's happening to many, many people in the industry right now. You know, but I feel like tapping into your zone of genius is the most important thing. If you want to be the generalist, that's fine. But find something that you really excel at and then create a, a, a messaging around it. And then bring that message out. And if you have to do something for free and you have to go out there and hustle, then you have to hustle. I think sometimes we go out there and, and we graduate from school and we feel that somebody owes us something and nobody owes you anything. <laughs> they don't owe you a damn thing. You got to go out there and you just have to create it. Yeah, absolutely. And I always, I gave a talk at the New York City student conclave a couple of weeks ago and someone had asked, well, how do you know, like, where you're going to specialize in or how do you know what to do? How do you pick and choose? And I said, I do three things. I make a column and I write down what mm -hmm. I really love to do. I write another column and I say what I'm good at. Then I write another column and I say, what are people going to pay me for? Right. And if you can find one or two things that go across all three of those columns, and that's something that maybe you want to concentrate on. Yeah. If it's just one column one and column two and no one's going to pay you for it, then that's a hobby. Yeah, that is a hobby. 
that's a hobby. That's something that's maybe you do for relaxation. Maybe that's your form of meditation, but that's not something that you're going to put all but, your full force behind. Totally. At the end of the day, you have to make a living. And listen, you know, when other PT practices, right now I'm totally cash-based. You know, I'm charging uh, a lot of money. I, only, I work from nine to two if I want to, you know. Um, so I think that the most important thing right now is really you just have to, like, you have to figure out if someone's going to pay you for it, of course. But I find that the passion is there, the love is there, and you're honest about what it is, it, it, all, it all seems to work out at the end. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? But yeah, yeah no one's going to pay you, you, you know. I mean, so like, things. I like to crochet. No one's going to pay me for it unless I start putting stuff, stuff on Etsy. Then I have to create a sweatshop in my apartment. Or you can you do know? crocheting with the right biomechanics. That's true. <laughs> I can do it with, like, if I wanted hand therapy, you know. I can you can do hand therapy. That's, yeah. that's a million-dollar idea right there. <laughs> what am I thinking? Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, speaking of million-dollar ideas, let's talk about your online program. Sure. So what is it and how, what is, what's it all about? You know, they say that uh, when lightning strikes, it can strike really hard. You know, you have to be prepared for when lightning strikes. And um, about two years ago, I, I got very ill and I injured my shoulder. And I was going, you know, back and forth, like, how was I going to change my vision? But I always knew from the beginning that I wanted to create something bigger, bigger than a practice, you know? And so what I decided to do was to just pivot my entire business. And so I said, I have two choices. I can open up another, I'm busy enough that I can open up like eight different practices if I wanted to, but I'm like, hell no. You know, one was a lot of work. Okay. And then I said, well, what can I do after that? So what I did was I changed my brick and mortar, went to cash boutique, very small. And then I created two pillars. And the reason I did this was ultimately because I want more women to heal from pelvic floor dysfunction and pelvic pain and sexual pain and leaking, et cetera. So what I did was I created a female healing program, which is my female pelvic alchemy program, where I take my students through a whole journey, a whole six-week journey, which is pretty fantastic. And it's got eight modules. And basically, it's everything that I learned in the last 12 years, I put it into this, into this class because... A lot of women, believe it or not, do not have access to this kind of care. And I have students in 12 different countries now. So we're not just talking about the U.S., okay? So I wanted to, to teach my patients how to take care of themselves. And, and not only that, once they graduate me, I put them in my online program. And I wanted women to get more of this global healing that they needed and they were missing. And then once I did that, I realized, well, then the women were telling me they have no physical therapist to help them. And I'm like, are you kidding me? How's this even possible? So then what I did was a lot of PTs, you know, online is the way of the future. And I decided to create a professional uh, course of physical therapists where they can learn how to do the pelvic PT. And so it sort of worked out where um, one feeds the other and, you know, it's a combination of both. And I love working with professionals. And then I'm doing my cash-based mentoring program also well, for a very select few. I don't have a lot in that program. So for me, I thought that I really wanted to do something more global. I mean, ultimately, that's it. And I wanted to do something that was gentler for my body, too, and for my spirit and my soul. And I wanted to spend more time with my family and my daughter and my husband. And now um, 
you know, I'm expanding the, the pelvic PT to other different types of professionals because it's not just physical therapists dealing with women, you know. Other, other professionals like doulas, acupuncturists, I have midwives in my program, they need to be able to identify what's going on. So if, if they know and they don't do the work, they can at least send them to a physical therapist who can do the work. But if you can't identify it, if you don't know what the hell's going on when you're working with women, especially if you're in the birth and wellness professional, then I feel like it's a disservice, mm-hmm. right? So I wanted to make the school inviting all professionals. So like a collaboration. So I have midwives, I have doulas, I have trainers, I have Pilates people, I have yogis in my program, and then I have physical therapists. So I wanted to have a collaboration among all the professionals so that we can all create a vast healing for the women who right now need it more than ever, as we know. Yeah. And again, what is the name of the program? And you have something coming up, right? Yeah. Um, the name of the program, well, you can go to my website, uh, pelvicpainrelief.com. All the programs are there. But my big, uh, I'm opening enrollment for my female pelvic alchemy program, uh, which is, has the, the book, is the accompaniment to that. And uh, by the way, Amazon just made my book adult content. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. So they sort of censorship, censored Ooh. it. So I know, could you imagine? Public healing has now become <clears throat> adult content. Interesting. Very interesting. So that is going to um, open enrollment on the 17th, but I'm giving an incredible webinar. I'll send you the link to share with your people on how to self-diagnose. So just in case you're not seeing the PT or you don't have access to this, at least you can have an intelligent conversation with your practitioner about what's going on with your body. Because it's all about what's going on with my body. And a lot of women just don't understand the nuances of pelvic healing and what is it that they're suffering from. So I bring that awakening. And then if it resonates that you want to work through my program, great. If you want to see a PT, that's also great. So it's a Mm win-win. Got it. Got it. Very cool. Very cool. It sounds like a much-needed... much needed program for women um, and hopefully can take out some of the taboo and the shame and the uncomfortableness um, about bringing up these symptoms to their practitioner. So it's not, uh, it's for sort of the layman, if you will, the regular folk, just just to identify, not to treat themselves, but just to kind of identify and be able to be comfortable in their own body and when to kind of ask for that help or ask mm-hmm. for that referral, right? The, you mean the webinar? Yeah. Yeah, the webinar is about that, but my yeah. program actually has a lot of healing techniques in it. Cool. So it is teaching them things that they actually should know about their body. Because mm-hmm. just like we do a breast exam every month and that's encouraged, we should be able to do a vulva vaginal exam. We should be able to feel what our muscles are doing inside without having to go external to ourselves to get that answer. You know, if you want to get the, the help, of course, I always recommend public PT. But at the same time, you need to be able to have a cohesive healing program. Self-care, empowerment. You know, I don't believe that we need to rely on someone external to ourselves forever. It's just, no. it's won't, it won't work, which is why PT won't. If we continue with this mindset, you know, three times a week for the rest of your life. It's, it, it's a dying, it's a dying philosophy. It's a dying vision. Yeah. We need to sure. empower. And, 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 and part of our profession dictates that empowerment and it's called 
home exercise program. <laughs> yes, that's very true. We call it a home exercise program. The traditional, I guess we sh- maybe we should just start calling it a self-care program and then maybe people will be more likely to do it. That's what I call it. Right? It is self-care. Yeah. It's self-care for, and the thing is, you know, they have to, you have to teach your patients how to listen to their bodies because sometimes we're giving them a self-care home exercise program and it's not resonating with them. But we think they should be doing it. So part of the art is listening to what it is that they need and what it is that they want and combining the two to give them something that was, that's going to get them to the finish line very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love, actually, I'm going to start calling it self-care program. You have to. It's, because it's, the new, it's the new respect. You know what I mean? And when I do my, my soap notes, I write self-care. Yeah. Because that's what it is. Ultimately, we're showing women, you know, for me anyway, how to care for themselves so they stay healthy throughout the lifespan and how to rely on themselves. Yeah. This is transformational healing. This is empowerment here. This is partnership healthcare, which is one of my core values is partnership healthcare. I don't believe I'm not your guru. I'm not your savior. I'm just going to, I'm your coach. Even in PT, I'm your coach. Um, and then I just show you the way, and then it's up to you to, to do it. Uh, you, you know, we can only lead people to drink the water. We can't, you know, we can't force them. No, you, you can't know? funnel it down their throat, right? And that's called non-compliance. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, it does sound much better to say someone, okay, so for your self-care program, I'd like you to do this. Because it's not like, you know, people are always like, oh, I have to do my exercises, you know, that, oh man. So now like, I, how, what are, how often are people going to be like, oh, I have to take care of myself. Oh, yeah. I have to show myself self-care. This sucks. You know, well, that's, like, that's what you, that that's, initial, you probably won't hear that too much. No, you won't. And that initial conversation in the IE is where you lay the ground rules about self-care and, mm-hmm. and what you, what you tell them, what, what you expect them to do. You have to, um, they have to be responsible for their own work. I mean, you can't, they can't continue to come to you and, 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 and do the, and then you're there massaging them and doing other stuff. But most of these techniques are very simple. I don't think they're rocket scientists. People can learn them. Right. You know? right, right. Yeah. It's not sure. like we're creating, you know, you know, how to land on the moon or anything like that or a new technology. It's actually very simple stuff. It's not complicated. Yeah. Cool. Well, I love it. I love all the advice you gave. And we have, I have one more question for you. And it's a question I ask everyone. And that is, what advice would you give to yourself knowing where you are in your life and in your career? What advice would you give to yourself as a new fresh faced graduate right out of PT school? Hmm. Awesome question. Awesome. I think the one advice that I would give myself would be to go cash base immediately, never participate with any insurance. And the other thing that I would do is be fearless, man. Don't be afraid to make a mistake. You know, cause sometimes we're so afraid of making a mistake that it actually holds us back from our calling because what happens if we make a mistake, you know, you know what's going to happen. You can learn from it and you're going to be better. So instead of trying to make everything perfect, take imperfect action and, and take action. 
don't sit there and expect things to happen to you. That's what I would tell myself because I think I suffer from wanting to do everything so damn right. You know, and then I realized that, no, that's actually holding you back. When I just started taking a chance and just putting myself out there and doing this imperfect action, things started moving very quickly from my practice, very quickly. And I realized that um, I was actually holding myself back. I was, I was suffering from, you know, perfectionism. You know, who doesn't? Who doesn't yeah. in the beginning? Yeah, for Sunday. sure. I don't think that's an, un, an uncommon statement at all. Mm-hmm. I still suffer from that yeah, um, too, yeah. to this day. And it's hard to, to kind of quiet that little perfectionist in your brain, right? It really is. And I think that the moment that you realize that, you know, the secret to life is to fall seven times, but to get up eight is what I tell my, my clients and, my, and my, my students because you know what? You just have to dust yourself off and keep going. And you know what? That was an amazing learning experience. You can either take the dark, you know, and, and all your mistakes and focus on them, or you can shed light on them and say, oh, I see. I could have done it this way and that way and learn from it and then integrate that and then make yourself even better from the era. You know, it's like a home exercise program. A lot of PTs are afraid to try different things and they stick with the same old, same old. And I'm like, well, no. So what if you make an error with the patient? Big deal. Own it. I assigned this. It didn't work. Let's move forward. Let me find you something else. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Great advice. Great advice for everyone listening. And we'll have all of the information for the webinar and for your programs and stuff at the podcast uh, website, which is podcast.healthywealthysmart.com under this episode. Um, But I know that you have something for the listeners. Oh, absolutely. Of course, I created my female public uh, freedom checklist because I've realized that I wanted to, if there are people who need this kind of work, I wanted to give something very simple that they can implement right away that they can have um, success at. I like to give like the really good stuff, you know? Yeah. So I gave, I created this little book. Um, it's a checklist. And if it resonates with you, definitely download that and, and you know, get it. Perfect. So yeah. everybody, that will also be in the show notes for this podcast. <laughs> so Isa, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of this great stuff with the audience and with me. I was taking copious notes. Um, so thank you so much for taking the time out and coming on today. And thank you for doing the work that you do because it is so amazing. You, you, you are like on the forefront of also creating a massive global language for all of us and this education and these people that you have on are so spectacular. So I totally recommend that you download your stuff and listen to yourself. I do because I love it. Well, thank you, you know? so much. You're making me blush here. No, um, no, I love it. <laughs> thank you so much. And everyone else, uh, thanks so much for listening. I hope you had a great time with this podcast and have a great week and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. Again, I want to thank Isa Herrera for a great episode. Wasn't that wonderful? And a big, huge thanks to our new sponsor for 2018, Redoc Powered by XFIT. Again, it's a cloud-based, fully integrated EMR and billing solution. Find out more about it at nethealth.com slash healthy. Thanks for listening, everybody. And don't forget to get Issa's free gift. You can go to podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. Thank you for listening. And please subscribe to the podcast at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media.